Welcome to Idle Chatter, brought to you by the Machinery Digest, where steel and soil meet. A weekly podcast by a New Jersey farmer to all farmers and ranchers across this great nation. And yes, there are farms in New Jersey. Regardless of the crop you grow or the livestock you raise, we all have one thing in common. Agriculture runs on passion, sweat, tears, and machinery. And that is why the Machinery Digest exists. A no-nonsense, grease-under-your-fingernails educational website. It was created to provide a transfer of knowledge so that you can maintain, service, and most importantly, understand today's complex farm equipment. My name is Ray Bohax and I farm too. It is time now to get under the sheet metal. Hello my friends and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, coming to you from the Farm Machinery Digest and located on Catswamp Road in beautiful Warren County, New Jersey. So hopefully things are going well for you again today and uh, the weather is breaking in so many parts of the country. We had a Saturday, it was actually 76 degrees here and my cover crop started to come out of... uh, come out of being dormant. I don't think that's a proper way of saying it. Um, but anyway, uh, that started to uh, come up and pop up a little bit green and get some color to it. And then uh, yesterday, it was 36 degrees. So, hey, I guess they used to say in like a lion, out like a lamb, but that was from March, but now uh, we're already into April. Well, today is actually April 1st when I'm recording this. April Fool's Day. So I usually record my show on Monday or Tuesday and then it goes up onto my website and Carbon Media and uh, on Wednesday and then on the Fran Network on Friday. And also a little bit of news, my Idle Chatter is now also found on Player FM. So if any of you get your podcast on Player FM, check that out and you could download it there. So I think we have five or six different places right now. I really should know, right, because it's my show. But I'm more concerned with getting you the information than I am with all of the locations. Maybe that's uh, being a poor businessman, but I have to uh, really... My mission is to serve you. And i got a couple of things, housekeeping things, I'd like to go over with you today. And uh, something that I really made my, my week last week... And it was from a listener, Riley Lewis in Indiana. And I know that he's an, a relatively new listener, past couple of months. But uh, I will read to you a note that he wrote to me, and I'm very, very humbled by it. He goes, Hey, Ray, I just wanted to thank you. I saved 500 dollars the last two days because of what I have learned from your podcast. I had a high impedance ground on my sprayer, so Dad thought we needed a new starter. I cleaned the grounds really well, and it worked. Then we had an electric valve that wasn't getting enough voltage. I cleaned up the connections, and it worked. We were going, we were going to replace both pieces and waste a day fixing them, but we were able to put nitrogen on the wheat instead. Thanks, Riley Lewis in Indiana. You know, and that really is... Uh, 
that's really what this this whole mission and I call it a mission is all about it's that I have a, a groaning inside of me to want to take the knowledge that the Lord has blessed me with that he has given me it's not of mine that he has given me over the years of being in the automotive and engine and machinery field and electronics and to convey that to the farmer and uh, when I got Riley's note it just really put a big it really just put so much joy in my heart because here it is I mean he would have wasted over five hundred dollars and a lot of time and he would have still had the same issues and now he's out spraying N on his wheat. He's putting his time and his money where it's going to profit his farm, not profit the parts house and have a bunch of frustration. So uh, thank you, Riley, for sending me that. And I just really want to uh, uh, just tell all of you that if I'm stumbling over my words, but I just want to tell you that when I know that you are out working your livestock, working your cattle, milking your cows, doing your crops, and not wasting time and money in the farm shop, that just is, is wonderful, because that is going to be a key to your success, especially in a tight farm economy. And even if the economy is not tight, it makes no difference. Why waste time and money on something? Put it where it's going to make you money. So uh, that's really what this show is all about, and my website, farmmachinerydigest.com. But also another exciting thing for me uh, is that I'm finally getting going on including road tests a farmer based road test from the eyes of a farmer on different vehicles and I my first road test in theory should be on a F the new F-150 with the V6 diesel in it which is the first F-150 with a diesel not obviously the first F series with a diesel but the first F-150 with a diesel and I am uh, coordinating with Ford, Ram, and General Motors. And what's going to be interesting about the road tests is that I will mention them on the show, but they will basically be listed as a magazine-style road test on my website, farmmachinerydigest.com, under the Learn tab, and the subsection would be Getting to Know. So it'd be getting to know the F-150, getting to know uh, whatever Ram 3500, whatever it may be. But I'm going to test all of these vehicles under the through the eyes of a farmer, and I'm also going to include different aspects of the road test. In other words, I'm going to talk about uh, how easy it is to service the engine or the vehicle. Uh, does it, for instance, does it have a primer pump? Uh, for the fuel system in case you run it out of fuel and change the filter I'm going to also which is I think I'm really excited about is that each vehicle is going to go on a chassis dyno so I'm going to be able to give you chassis dyno reports as far as horsepower and torque and it's going to be uh, kind of cool I'm going to enjoy doing it and I'm going to enjoy doing it for the farm audience and keep in mind that I will also integrate into that um, not only strictly truck trucks pickup trucks whatever and vans because i think a van is a great vehicle for the farm that a lot of people overlook but you know hey every farm family has to you know has to have a car also or a personal vehicle so i will also um at times integrate vehicles for instance let's say like a ford edge or an expedition or a chevy blazer or dodge durango what have you so uh you could look at it through the eyes of a farm family whether that vehicle would serve your needs not just a commercial type of vehicle 
So that is uh, coming very, very shortly, and I think I'm going to be able to have the first road test up within a month. I have to schedule uh, the vehicles to get them, and then to schedule uh, time to, uh, to run them, test them, and they get them on the dyno. But that's coming very, very, very shortly. So I, hopefully you're as excited about it as I am. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Well, today's show is going to be about head gaskets. And I'm going to say every engine, but in this business you never say every because somebody will find one that didn't have it. But but almost every engine, if not every engine today, has a head gasket. And I think, you know, the goal of the head gasket is for you to never see it and for you to never see the inside of your engine. And that means if you've never seen the inside of your engine, you've never seen the piston crowns, the combustion chamber, the cylinder walls, that means that you never took it apart. And, you know, just like years ago, I was a big fan, and still am, but it no longer exists, of the Strategic Air Command, and their motto, and I may be paraphrasing it a little bit, their motto was is that if they never fired a shot, their mission was accomplished. And, And in the farm shop, if the inside of an engine is a stranger to you and you never have to take the cylinder head off then the mission is accomplished because no matter what the engine is even if it's a Briggs and Stratton engine on a uh, seat tender is that it's usually no fun pulling the cylinder head off and there's a lot of things that come into play once you take the cylinder head off but our goal here is for you to never have to take the cylinder head off because you've never have a head gasket failure and it's really not as hard as you think to avoid a head gasket failure and to tell you the truth in all of the engines I've had over the years be it on your vehicles trucks, uh, small engines, farm equipment, I've never had a head gasket fail on anything that I've owned. I've done head gaskets uh, when I had my shop on people's engines, but never on my own. So that is something that we need to discuss because, you know, a head gasket failure is a lot like any mechanical breakdown. It could happen at the most inopportune, it usually happens at the most inopportune times and or in opportune time not times i'm all excited about doing the show today but uh it's and it's a major job so it's not like you say okay fine like it's a belt that that broke and you said all right fine or a hose that broke and you say boy this thing is a little bit of a pain in the neck but if you're if you pop a head gasket on something if you pop a head gasket on something then uh that piece of equipment is down and it's down for the count so it's not it's not really going to be something you're going to be able to fix in a day or two and then uh get the piece of equipment up and running so it's more important to have a proactive approach and not allow that gasket to fail so now in essence let's discuss uh why head gaskets fail there's there's only a few reasons why a head gasket truly fails and it is either overheating a lack of maintenance or in some applications and specifically with diesel engines or with any forced induction engine is that you turned up the wick so you had a diesel engine that you um, put a tuner in it and ran more boost and more fuel in it to, to make more horsepower or, or a gasoline engine that you did the same uh, to. It's gas, turbocharged gasoline engines, not saying that they're rare, 
but they're certainly not as common as turbocharged diesels. So the three areas are overheating, lack of maintenance, and then we'll call it turning up the wick, and we're going to discuss all of those. But in all honesty, the majority of head gaskets fail because of a lack of maintenance. So now keep in mind that the head gasket's purpose is to seal the combustion chamber which is in the cylinder head in most instances. I know that some diesel engines uh, have the, they have the actual combustion region, what we would call the combustion chamber in a piston. But it's it the gasket's purpose is to seal the cylinder head to the engine block. And so it needs to keep in the combustion gases under pressure and it needs to keep the coolant circulating and not leaking either internally meaning into the into the cylinder on top of the piston or externally uh, outside of the engine block and also to keep oil from leaking in and we're going to get into all of that because there's oil coming through the block that comes up that goes from the cylinder gets pumped up to the cylinder head and then gravity drips down through the engine block to the oil pan so now this now over the years the material of the head gaskets have changed dramatically i mean years ago they had steel shim gaskets and then they have all different types of gasket materials today and, and that really could be a show onto itself but it's it's really not pertinent at this particular point uh, in this journey of the farm machinery digest because you would want to buy a gasket that is the part number that replaces the gasket on the engine so if they use a polymer type of gasket if they if they whatever they use just we're going to stick with that and not go into the science of head gasket materials but what basically happens is that if you look years ago and my talk is going to is going to is going to cover air cooled engines uh, diesel engines and gasoline engines and if something comes up I will identify each one separately but collectively anything I say is going to hold true for, for everything now years ago when life was simpler and engines were simpler is that almost every American made engine had a cast iron cylinder head and had a cast iron had a cast iron block and also had probably a either early on a cast iron a cast iron intake manifold or later on a aluminum intake manifold and why that is important is that if any, anybody goes back into the archives if you listen to my uh, show on engine coolant is that since the head gasket needs to interface or inter interact with the engine coolant it's very susceptible to the chemical composition of the coolant now when you have different type of materials in an engine that the coolant is going to come in contact with so as i said a minute ago years back everything was cast iron and then at most we had a cast aluminum intake manifold so in essence the chemical composition of the coolant only had to interact with cast iron and then cast iron and aluminum and that was very easy for that to do there was no great chemistry problems there but now as the engine technology has advanced and things have advanced it becomes a double-sided sword no longer is cast iron the mainstay for engine components now most engines today and uh, a lot of diesel engines today are 
are they called what <coughs> compacted graphite iron CGI well for sure it would be a compacted graphite block a different mixture of of materials right we have a lot of engines use aluminum cylinder heads so that we could have a compacted graphite block with aluminum cylinder head and we could have a plastic they call it layperson they call it plastic intake manifold so now we have to have a not only a gasket that is going to be able to interact and seal between aluminum and compacted graphite or aluminum and and cast iron or cast iron cylinder head with a compacted graphite block or anything in between or an aluminum block with aluminum cylinder head and a plastic intake manifold that and why i'm saying intake manifold is that most intake manifolds do have coolant go through them not everyone does but a lot of them do and due to this the chemical composition of the coolants became very very complex and we also need to keep in mind that not only does this gasket have to seal the cylinder to the engine block but it has to seal the cylinder to the engine block without having any antagonistic results from the coolant going through it so the whole chemistry of coolant the whole chemistry of cylinder head gaskets the whole chemistry of engine blocks and cylinder heads i'm saying chemistry meaning the materials have all changed and that has made the gaskets very susceptible to the wrong coolant being used but also degraded coolant and if you have an engine and i don't care whether it's in a, a your wife's car or on in a combine or anything in between is that as an engine guy i tell people that if you have a head gasket that failed and with the one caveat that you did not overheat the engine that you had a head gasket that failed and you did not overheat the engine then there's 99.9 percent chance the reason why that gasket failed is due to a lack of maintenance of the cooling system meaning that the coolant was degraded and what basically happens is that as the coolant becomes degraded and how does the coolant become degraded well it becomes degraded by the heat cycles the thermal cycles actually end up from heating and cooling heating and cooling and boiling in the cylinder head and that's called nucleate boiling and i have a show on that if you look in the archives nucleate boiling in simplistic terms that boiling and recondensing scenario ends up consuming the additive package in the coolant and the additive package is used to is to prevent corrosion and also to prevent an electrolytic effect that will actually eat the gasket so if somebody comes to me and says to me well i have a uh, whatever a 2011 chevy pickup truck and it ate the head gasket it popped usually people say it popped the head gasket not ate it started to leak it, it start the head gasket started to leak i will say to them well did you cook it did you overheat it and 
what I mean by that is you could have had a thermostat stick and you and you and you cooked the motor. You could have had a a hose blow and you drove it 10 miles and cooked the motor. You could have popped a hole in the radiator, you cooked the motor. The fan belt, the water pump belt could have gone or what have you, and you overheated the motor. And if they said no, we never overheated, then I could say with a wonderful level of confidence that they never changed the coolant. And I said, when was the last time you changed the coolant? They said, oh, we never did. It always, the freeze point is still good. And that has nothing to do with it because the freeze point of the coolant has nothing to do with the concentration of the additive package in that antifreeze. So what will happen is that the coolant will become so degraded that it will actually start to eat the head gasket and once it starts to eat the head gasket it gets to a certain point and then the gasket starts to leak so that's the number one reason for cooling system failures and specifically head gasket failures on a modern engine is due to a lack of coolant maintenance so if you basically are good about maintaining your coolant and that could be on a larger diesel engine using a supplemental supplemental coolant additive, right? Or changing the coolant out completely. Or on a smaller engine, just changing the coolant and using the proper coolant, then the likelihood of you having a head gasket failure is almost zero. And the other thing basically is that if you do if something does happen and you and the engine temperature starts to escalate very high because the thermostat stuck, as I said, you popped a hole in the radiator, you blew a hose, the belt, the belt came off, and you're no longer moving the coolant through the engine. All right, then as long as you don't cook it, as you as long as you don't let it get too hot and you shut it off and pop open the hood and let it cool off, the likelihood of you hurting that head gasket is very very unlikely so basically you have a very minimal chance of hurting it if you don't let the temperature elevate too high all right so so that is the two things that we're discussing there now to answer a question that may be in your mind is that why does the overheating of the engine hurt the head gasket and what's basically going to happen is that it's not going to usually not going to hurt it immediately there's usually a gestation period from when you cook the engine to when the head gasket blows it's usually not knee jerk that you're not going to if you if the thermostat sticks and you cook it and you get it real hot and you bring it home and you fix it and that the next day usually the head gasket doesn't go it it's going to take us usually a certain amount of time for it to go and why is that well in essence the overheating of the engine is not really impacting the gasket it's impacting the cylinder head when you overheat the engine the cylinder head tries to lift up and it usually twists and distorts and when it twists and distorts on the block two things are happening all right if you twist something well at one particular side you're going to twist it and you're going to be compressing the gasket more because the head is actually angling that way and on the other side from where it's the, the teeter-totter right the seesaw effect it's actually lifting up off the gasket so at that particular point you warped the cylinder head 
and you put a bow in the cylinder head so now there's not an even clamping force on that gasket. One part of the gasket is too compressed and the other part of the gasket is not compressed enough. And depending upon how that cylinder head warps, where it warps, and usually in most times the pattern that it takes to on warpage is predicated upon the the thickness of the casting of the cylinder head because it's not uniform all over. There's a water jacket here, there's an exhaust port here, there may be a, a boss for a bolt hole there, right? Uh, so it's going to be predicated upon that and how many bolts are usually holding the, the uh, around the perimeter of the cylinder bore through that head. So it could be a, a four bolt head, it could be a five bolt head, it could be a six bolt head, what have you. But regardless, of that it's actually the warpage and the movement the flex of the cylinder head which is going to now either co compress the gasket or unload the gasket and that is usually when it's going to fail and then depending upon the region where it warped it could actually fail between two cylinders it could fail on the perimeter on the on the exterior bore it could fail in a water jack it could fail in an oil hole or it could fail in multiple locations and what will happen is that over time and over time and I don't mean five years but over time either that exhaust gas will start to leak out of there and actually flame cut the gasket and it could actually start to flame cut or notch the block the bore or the coolant may start to leak out and then we have uh, and once that seal is violated you can no longer that gasket is shot that gasket has to be replaced so the warpage and the movement, the movement of the cylinder. Then you may find that the cylinder head twists and moves, and because it didn't move too much, that it it will. Uh, I'm going to say settle back down, uh, using that's not a technical term, but find find its home. But at that particular point, is once something started to leak, it's like rust starting on a frame. You know, once it's there, it's only a matter of time before it eats the whole frame. It's the same thing. Once you start to violate that firing and that gasket or that seal, that coolant seal or that oil seal, is that it's the gasket is on its way out. And then the third way, as we discussed, which I'll leave for the end of the show today, is that excessive cylinder pressure will pop a head gasket. So cylinder pressure could be either through, uh, and cylinder pressure is not to be confused with compression pressure that you would measure with a compression gauge. Cylinder pressure is the pressure that is created in the bore from the ignition event, from the expansion of the flame in the bore. And if you were to... Um, specifically as i said with diesels these people like to get more power out of them they they turn up the wick on them they put a tuner in it they put more boost more fuel and horsepower torque is salt in the pressure so excuse me my voice was going away there and uh i usually had that happen when i uh get revved up so the higher the cylinder pressure you're going to need more of a clamping force and if you're going to need to hold that head so it does not move around and then eventually uh like i say you will get to the point where you will basically exhaust that and the head will shift and the gasket will uh, go bye bye
but that is in essence where we're at so now let's discuss a couple of things so now that we know why the predominant reasons for head gasket failure is concerned that you could buy that you could actually avoid this and the major thing is number one change the coolant or add SCAs number two if the engine ever does start to get hot shut it down don't cook it so you won't warp the head and then number three is if you're turning up the wick on something turn it up to a safe level because at one particular point you're going to find out uh, where the unsafe level is and you're going to pop a head gasket so there is no real reason for it to want to uh, for it to fail now as an aside to this and i've said this before on the show but as an aside to it is that if you're buying a piece of used equipment i think it's very important that you do fluid testing on that piece of equipment and you know i've said this before is that you have people they go to auction they buy you know a tractor a combine a sprayer whatever it is and they're afraid to go there a week early or to do whatever they need to do to get some fluid testing and the thing basically is is that you want to be able to check the engine oil and also the coolant and send it to a lab and it's akin to like a soil test it's not that expensive 25 or 30 dollars and the reason why I want you to do that and you should do this on your own equipment also probably once a year on the coolant and just to see what's going on just to see what's going on inside there because let's get back to the used piece of equipment you're buying a used piece of equipment and by doing a we'll say a $30 coolant test by doing a $30 coolant test on that and the only caveat being is that obviously the coolant in the engine oil has to have some use on it some hours on it if it was just changed five minutes before then that's not going to be a valid test it's going to be totally invalid and a waste of your money but historically most people that trade in stuff or sell it at auction uh not that they don't maintain it but they usually don't change the fluids especially on a big engine uh because it's too costly before they're selling it but if you do that pull that coolant test and you could see from the coolant test and you don't need to be a chemist the laboratory will analyze this for you and you see that that coolant is spent that that coolant is really worn out in that engine then there's a very good possibility that you start to have some degradation of the sil of the cylinder head gasket the head gasket and also specifically on the diesel some uh, cavitation erosion of the liner the cavitation erosion of the liner would usually start to show itself as a, as elemental metals in the um, coolant test and the head gasket depending upon its material the laboratory will be able to pick up something on it of saying that it's starting to degrade now it may not be degraded at the point where it's going to leak but once you're seeing degradation of that head gasket chemically in the in the uh, analysis test then that's something that you have to keep in the back of your mind because it's very possible that you can uh, buy that piece of equipment start to put it under a load and lo and behold it actually ends up burning through popping that head gasket so that's really important for you to understand that and to do that and it's also important for you to do it on your own equipment because you want to be able to see what's going on but if the coolant is spent 
and the engine has a number of hours on it and the coolness spent, then there's a very good chance. Let's say you're buying a, uh, a tractor and it's got three or four thousand hours on it and that coolant is spent then it is probably a very good uh it didn't get spent in a hundred hours it didn't get spent in 500 hours so it, that coolant has been in there for quite some time and that degradation of the gasket uh the cavitation erosion only happens while it's running but the degradation of the gasket Will, will happen 24 hours a day. Granted, it will be accelerated under load uh, with the coolant circulating and being hot and, and what have you, but if it's sitting just like you could take a bolt and stick it in a, in a, in a coffee can full of water and it's going to start to rust. It doesn't, uh, so the degradation of the gasket will be happening 24 hours a day and it, there's a pretty good chance that that coolant is spent to such a level that it's been eating away at that gasket for quite some time. So all I could say, you know, is buyer beware. So um, let's move past this right now because it's like anything. It's very simple. Brush your teeth and you won't have tooth decay, right? In most instances, change the coolant and you won't have a head gasket failure. But now, what are some of the signs of head gasket failure? And this goes for uh, almost any engine. Now... As I, and I want to just recap this for a minute, is that the depending upon where that gasket fails, and I mean that head gasket, whether it fails on, on, on near the fire ring, which holds the combustion into the cylinder, if it fails between two cylinders, if it fails on the outside, these are the, the responses or the signs or the symptoms of a weak or failed head gasket. Alrighty? So now, if you have an engine and you see externally that you have a coolant or oil leak on the exterior of the block, so if you look at the block, there's no running problem, there's no smoke or anything, you look at the block and you're starting to get a coolant leak or an oil leak at the connection of the cylinder head to the block, then that is a head gasket starting to fail and go and starting to go bad and going to weep. Uh, an, an external leak of coolant or oil is of less detriment than an internal leak. And you could probably go for quite some time with it like that. And what some people actually like to do, and this is catch-catch-can, whether it works, some people like to retorque the cylinder head. But for most instances, once that starts to leak, you're not going to have any way to really fix that because the material of the head gasket is going to start to be eroded. But that is a not, so if, if you're in the middle of planting corn and you notice that the head gasket is starting to leak, weep a little bit. I mean, if it's pouring out of there, that's a problem. But it's starting to weep a little coolant or engine oil on the exterior. You know, I would keep planting corn and get my crop in and say, okay, we're going to deal with this later on and keep an eye on it. So it's a, so an external if you're going to have a, a leak or a head gasket failure, an external leak is by far the best. Best to have. It's like saying, well, you know, this is the best cancer to have, right? So, uh, but it's still going to be a problem. So remember, external, and you'll see that right at the seam of the head gasket and the, I uh, mean, the head, the cylinder head and the block. Now, another thing is that an engine that has a propensity to misfire, both gasoline or diesel, all right, uh, could be the potential 
potential sign of a head gasket that's leaking. Now, usually when you have a misfire, what will happen is that that's usually because the gasket is is violated between two cylinder bores. So it's not on the exterior of the bore, it's on the area of the bore that is connecting or touching to the companion cylinder. And what's it's what's happening, then again, depending upon where what is leaking on the gasket, there's at least combustion gases leaking back and forth. And remember, that'll go from high pressure to low pressure, just like water, right? High pressure, low pressure. So if this cylinder is on the compression stroke or and on the uh, expansion or power stroke, it's going to push some of that gas to the lower pressure cylinder next to it, right? Or it could be leaking coolant into that cylinder, the companion cylinder, or it could be leaking oil. Historically, when you have a misfire between two cylinders, it's usually combustion and coolant, all right? Combustion and coolant. And, uh, and that is a very bad type of head gasket failure because if it gets to one particular point and the the flame during the expansion so the, what we would call the power stroke well but the engineering term is expansion that flame will actually eventually have the possibility of cutting of going through there if you ride that if you run that engine long enough and then you could actually flame cut the head you could flame cut the block or what have you so that is really not a uh, a good leak to have and historically that engine the first signs of it will be a misfire now you may also you may find that you may have a misfire in the engine only on startup when it's cold so you could have the engine uh, where you go you start the engine and it runs rough and it's misfires it usually won't be that it would be pop or maybe a little bit more uh, a little bit more of uh, the frequency may be higher because it's with the two cylinders but it's not going to be a constant you're going to have some cylinders that are firing fine and then between those two cylinders you're going to alternate back and forth depending upon how the gasket is torn and you're going to have a misfire and you may have some white smoke out of the exhaust and that is because it's leaking coolant into it and what's going now that whitish blue smoke white smoke because blue smoke is oil and whitish blue smoke is a little bit of oil on the piston crown usually like a valve guide or a valve seal but white smoke steam condensation type of smoke all right is that and then once the engine starts to get a little temperature in it the misfire may go away a lot of people confuse this with an injector an injector hanging up or an injector being dirty so and why does it start to go away and sometimes cure itself temporarily uh, when the engine heats up because the gasket and everything heats up and it kind of seals it up and it seals it enough, up enough that it does not impact the combustion event so if you have an engine and she misfires when she's cold on first startup and then it misfires and as it starts to build temperature it starts to smooth out and the misfire goes away and it seems to run fine and it also has white smoke it doesn't always have to have white smoke but also has white smoke there is a very good possibility that you have a head gasket failure 
and depending upon the engine uh, style, whether it's diesel, whether it's gasoline, the size and everything, the best way for you to determine that would be with a compression test and or a leak down test. And uh, because what you'll see is the two cylinders that the companion cylinders that it's leaking between will have a much lower compression rating and will have a much higher leak down rate. So keep that in mind. Don't just think that the engine misfires when it's cold. And this is gasoline, diesel, air cooled. Well, air cooled, right? Usually it's not two cylinders, but it could be. Uh, on any type of engine so that misfire that goes away a misfire and startup is a uh is a is a problem all right <clears throat> another sign of a head gasket failure is an engine's propensity to want to overheat or run much hotter than normal so that is also a sign of the gasket starting to fail and or you know when it completely fails you know it it's when it's on its way to failure is that when you need to try to pay attention because if you keep running it with it failed then what's going to happen is that you're going to a lot of chances that you are going to really hurt this engine you could actually fill a cylinder so much up with coolant that you could be you know going down the field and it completely blows and where it blows it goes and fills the cylinder up with coolant and you hydro lock the motor it'll lock it right up and it'll either best case scenario bend the connecting rod worst case scenario which is more common kick the piston and the rod through the block and you got a thirty thousand dollar thirty five thousand dollar engine that's junk all right so that's why you want to keep in mind so if you have an an over or uh, what i'm saying overheating let's not call it overheating let's call it hot running extremely hot running engine and it came about all of a sudden and you really can't find any reason for it there's a very good possibility that the head gasket is starting to fail and at that particular point you'd probably want to also do an oil and a coolant analysis and try to see if you could pick up anything in there the other sign of a failing head gasket is when you have bubbles a lot of bubbles in either if it's at, if the cooling system has an expansion tank or a surge tank or in if an old style radiator you're looking inside and there's always a lot of bubbles in there and that's usually a small leak in the head gasket and it's putting the combustion pressure into the uh into the coolant they used to sell some strips they were almost like test strips and you would be able to put them in the coolant and look for combustion gases in the coolant and those combustion gases would be a sign of a head gasket and or a cracked cylinder head but most likely it is a head gasket so a lot of bubbles specifically at first small bubbles in the coolant and uh is usually the telltale sign that that something is uh going on there and another telltale sign is discoloration of the fluids that the antifreeze is turning a different color the engine oil is turning a different color it just doesn't look right it's not that old it shouldn't be that color so it's so it usually has combustion gases in it it could have some the antifreeze could have some oil the oil could have some antifreeze in it and but usually and specifically on a diesel you'll get some discoloration you'll get a lot of discoloration in the uh in the fluids so it may not be the two fluids it may just be the one but if something starts to look a little bit funky and smell funky then there's a pretty good indicator that it's getting some combustion gases in it and it's got a head gasket problem 
The other telltale sign is that, now keep in mind that you're in the medical field, they talk about a disease, how the disease presents, and that means the symptoms of that disease. And not every head gasket failure presents in the same way. So the thing is that you could have a... uh, a, uh, a a violation the gasket is violated between the two cylinders but because the way it's violated the engine is not misfiring and just putting coolant in there all right but it's really not misfiring and it's misting the coolant enough that it's really not that you're not seeing any smoke so keep in mind that these are signs but it does they don't have to have the failure does not have to have all the signs and they could present in a slightly different manner just like a disease in a person or a disease in a crop, right? You look at a crop, let's say you look at corn, and you have a leaf, uh, and the leaves, the leaves don't leaf, that's right? The leaves don't look uh, nice and green. And you could say, when you look in the book, and say, well, is this gray leaf spot? Is this, 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 that, what have you? And the thing is that, you know, lots of times it pre- they all don't present exactly the same way. So this is a general overview. Uh, a very good sign is... Uh, if you have a frothing of uh, if if in the coolant if you see when let me put that let me back up when if you have coolant leaking into the oil what you'll basically do is you take the oil fill cap off it'll have a whitish color frothing in there that you go with your finger if you look in the oil fill cap the dipstick the uh, inside the valve cover there'll be a frothing and a, a, a yellowish white um i don't want to say foam scum in there is probably the best term i can't think of a technical term for it that uh is usually indication of the coolant getting in the oil now as a caveat to this once again is that if you have a pcv system or on a gasoline motor or breather system on a diesel and that is not working properly you will also have a lot of condensation built up in that crankcase and which is water all right condensation and it will mix with the oil and give it a frothing effect so what you'd want to do is that if you do see that if you pull the oil fill cap off or pull a dipstick and you see some foamy stuff in there you want to clean it and you want to run the engine a little bit, whatever, use it the next day or so, clean it, clean it out, take the oil fill cap, clean it out, stick your finger in the valve cover, whatever it may be, application specific. And the thing is that you clean it out and then run the engine a little bit. If that comes back very quickly, then you know that you, you're you putting coolant into the oil uh, because a PCV system, a crankcase breather system, is not going to make that much froth inside there uh, within a day of working in the field it'll take more over time but if you have a if you have a head gasket that's leaking you will obviously have that and uh the other thing basically is that that's coolant going in the oil but then again depending upon where the gasket fails you could have oil going in the coolant and so the crankcase oil you won't have that frothing right but when you take the radiator cap off uh what will happen is it'll look almost like a mayonnaise uh around the uh the bottom of the cap by the spring or in the edges of the surge tank or the radiator it'll be like a mayonnaise type of substance in there it'll be a thicker substance and that's because the gasket is leaking the other way now uh now keep in mind also is that if you have a 
liquid to if you have an oil cooler or a transmission cooler that is uh, leaking so let's say if you have oil leaking into the from the let's say you have a transmission cooler and you're putting hydraulic fluid or automatic transmission fluid into the radiator uh, into the coolant stream then you're going to have that also so don't always think it's a head gasket and that's why you need to diagnose this and that's why also lots of times chemical testing along with a leak down test compression test and some other things are are an indicator of what is going on don't just think the worst and if you were good as i said with your coolant changes and good with maintaining the coolant and the supplemental coolant and additives in the diesel engine then the likelihood of the head gasket failing is not too good so you probably have a problem elsewhere and the other thing obviously is if you have an engine that is using a lot of coolant and it has no external leak so it is normal for an engine specifically a diesel engine to use consume some coolant but you'll get to know that maybe this thing uses a a gallon in 500 hours and now you're using a gallon in 50 hours or 10 hours or what have you then we know you have a problem if you have no external leak and the reason why those engines do use coolant is because the heating and the cooling actually that from going from a, a boiling to a non-boiling when it recondenses since coolant is based upon its glycol whether it's ethylene or propylene glycol mixed with water you're actually dissipating and boiling off some of the water and over time that that cooling level will drop so but if it drops uh, precipitously and drops in more of a way than it did before then you know that there is some sort of problem brewing and then also i really didn't touch on it but extreme amount of of condensation steam coming from the exhaust i'm not talking about in a cold day is usually uh an indication of uh coolant getting in the combustion chamber and a head gasket failure now on a lot of newer engines today because they're trying to cut take the mass out of it is that sometimes you may get a cylinder head that cracks but at that particular point it's moot because the head is coming off anyway and you'd pressure test the cylinder head so i did a show a while back about for calling it you know a forensics in the farm shop so when you have something like this if if you need to pull that head off you also need to study that gasket because that gasket will tell you where it's leaking if you study it because you'll be able to see where it's violated and you also need at that particular point to pressure check the cylinder head as a common procedure whenever you remove the cylinder head right so you need to pressure check it and to make sure that uh that there are no cracks or leaks because you could have a gasket that's violated and you could have a cylinder head that's starting to crack and at the same time and you don't want to do this twice i don't care if it's the smallest motor or the largest motor this is not a fun job as i said in the beginning of the show your whole goal is to never let the piston crowns and the inside of the engine be a stranger to you that you have this tractor for thirty thousand hours you have this pickup for five hundred thousand miles you have your wife car for 300,000 miles and you have no idea what the internals of that engine look like because you've never seen it and that's your goal because you you don't want to spend your time and money fixing something that you could have avoided by doing some maintenance now let's say that this does happen for whatever reason and you need to pull a head gasket off and you need to replace it I'm going to give you a couple of things that are paramount paramount i'm repeating it for this job to be successful number one is that you're going to have to use the right gasket and the right material gasket 
Okay, that's going to be based upon, I would use an OE gasket uh, or a gasket from a major supplier like Felpro, Dana, Dana Victor, Reince, what have you. Not Joe's Gasket Company from China because you got it $5 cheaper. So you're going to need to use the right gasket. Now the other thing you're going to need to do is the cylinder head and the deck of the block need to be checked for straightness and for warpage and if necessary they're going to have to be machined and lots of times what will happen is the person will be good about machining the cylinder head sometimes they're not but they don't check the block because if that block is warped now keep in mind that the likelihood of the block being warped is is not too good it's not very likely that you can have that but it's very likely that the cylinder head is warped and then you're going to have to machine that head or do whatever you need to do to to to, to get that surface so it is straight and the other thing that comes into play which hardly anyone does is that if you were to look at every head gasket manufacturer are we or aftermarket brand, high quality aftermarket brand, they will tell the machine shop the surface finish they want on the cylinder head and on the block. But if the block is warped, I mean, if the cylinder head is warped and you're dolling it up and you're cutting that cylinder head and it may be done with a brooch, it may be done with a mill, what have you, is that it, there's something called a profilometer which very few people use, but they should. It's like a farmer just throwing fertilizer out there without doing a, a soil test, and they're going to tell you the surface finish they want on that cylinder head and that block, those mating surfaces. Now, sometimes the, a modern head gasket may have two different surface finishes. You may, they may want one surface finish on the block and another one on the head. But if you have the wrong surface finish on that head, that gasket is not going to seal properly, and it's going to have a very, very decreased amount of service life. It's most likely not going to leak from the beginning, but it's going to have a decreased service life. And if you have someone that has that did a head gasket and it's go and it fails shortly thereafter it should never fail again right because if you do the cool and don't overheat it don't blow don't over boost the engine you're not going to pop the head gasket so it's very important and the tool is called a profilometer and it reads the surface finish it uses a stylus and it reads the surface finish most guys don't use that they're lucky they get away with it but that's like saying well hey the plan lane lands 50 percent of the time without crashing well if you happen to be in that 50 percent that it didn't crash in you're golden right if the other the other 50 percent of the people aren't that happy as it crashed so and the other very common mistake that people make is they do not use new head bolts it's it's imperative that you use new head bolts to properly load that gasket on that block and then that cylinder head and compress it properly because the bolts will be, will be stretched and a lot of newer engines use what they call TTL torque to yield bolts but regardless if it's a torque to yield or a, uh, just a regular straight bolt the reason I'm saying torque to yield straight is that a torque to yield bolt will have a little taper in it tapered almost like an hourglass shape uh, which may be hard to see versus a straight shank but it's important that those th those threads those threads in the block are tapped and cleaned that new bolts are used 
right and that the specifications for the torque are followed and historically they'll give you specifications of saying that we want 30 weight oil on the threads and oil underneath the head of the bolt or anti-seize lubricant underneath the head of the bolt what have you and they will give you a different torque a torque specification based upon that lubrication under the head of the bolt so common problems all right number one is that the wrong head gasket is used on the repair the wrong surface finish is is, is employed uh new head bolts are not used and the torquing procedure is incorrect and it, the spec is incorrect and or the sequence is incorrect or they don't put the proper oil or lubricant. If you look, there'll be they'll, every, they'll, every head bolt they'll give you a specification. So if you use 30 weight, use this spec, this torque spec, and uh, what have you. So you need to follow that. It's not like it was in grandpa days. Ah, we just do it all the same and we tighten it down and it's fine. No more. Forget about it. The past 30 years is no more. All right, it's not like that. Uh, and uh, so and also when you have that cylinder head off play it safe and have the machine shop pressure check that cylinder head because you don't want to find that you have it off and it had a head gasket failure and it had a crack in the cylinder head all right so if you do all those things but the whole i'll recap very quickly before we get into the special delivery segment but the whole goal is for you never ever ever have to do this and the fact of the matter is there is no reason why you'd have to do it maintain that cooling system again i'm drilling this into you like a marine drill sergeant maintain that cooling system the engine starts to peak, the, spike the temperature, shut it down, open the hood, let it cool off. And if you're running a some sort of tuner in a farm tractor, a diesel pickup truck, what have you, do a calibration, ask the tuner company which calibration is the safest, and then use that safe calibration. Yeah, you're not going to have the maximum power out of it, but also you're not blowing it up. All right, so it's very, very simple, and the goal is never, ever have to go and have to replace a head gasket. So now we're going to go to a, a short special delivery segment, and uh, I'm very proud to tell you that special delivery is brought to you by Firestone Ag, and it's a company that was founded by Harvey Firestone, a fourth-generation farmer from Columbiana, Ohio. Uh, I should know that town very well because I filmed the past two years. I filmed my TV segments for successful farming at the uh, Firestone test farm. And, you know, Harvey Firestone, he was such an innovator and he was such a, he was a farmer, right? He just thought out of the box and, you know, he knew that the farmer could not be profitable uh, riding on steel wheels. And so he dreamt of putting the fire, the fires, the farmer on pneumatic tires, and he eventually did that. And that core, that thinking out of the box, that passion for American agriculture lives on today at Firestone Ag. And it could be seen by their 23 degree tread bar design, their advanced AD2 technology, IF and VF tires, and now with their replacement track uh, for track machines. So that's the Firestone of tracks, you know, Oftentimes we get we forget about this, but the soil is the lifeblood of your farm. Trust it only to Firestone. We have a very simple question here, and it's from Fred in Oklahoma, and he says to me that uh, you have mentioned on in other shows that that General Motors HGI system uses 
an expanding dwell? Can you please tell me how to check that? I paraphrased his letter to save time. Well, yes. Well, first of all, thanks for listening, Fred. And it's very simple. HEI, when it came out in 1975, uh, was the first system that did away with uh, resistors. So it ran on full charging circuit output, 14.6 volts, and it had what was called an expanding dwell. And in, when it comes to an ignition system, when you're talking about dwell, it is the length of time that the circuit is on, either the points are closed or in an electronic system, the module is on and energizing the coil, filling the coil up with electricity. And the expanding dwell theory and the lack of a resistance circuit running on full voltage is what gives the GMHGI its arc welder type of very hot spark. And it's and on a V8 engine, the dwell would be at about five degrees at idle and expand to about 32 to 35 degrees by about 2,000 to 2,200, 2,300 RPM. Very very simple to check. All you need is a old-fashioned dwell meter. You hook the dwell meter up to the tack terminal. If the engine has a tachometer hooked up, you just disconnect that wire. It'll be it's the negative side of the coil. And if it's a cap and coil HI, there's a tack terminal there. You just put the dwell meter in there and hook it up across the battery and start the engine in whether it's six four cylinder six cylinder eight cylinder read the scale and then let the engine idle read your dwell should be about five to ten degrees at idle on the v8 slowly raise the engine rpm up at about 2,200, the dwell should expand to about 32 to 35 degrees. And if it does that, everything is fine. If it doesn't expand or it's locked at a certain value, it's 20 degrees at idle instead of 5 to 10 degrees. And it goes backwards or it doesn't really expand. Usually when the module starts to fail, it doesn't expand. It stays locked in one value. Then that ignition module is 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 faulty the symptoms that you will get from it the engine the, the engine could ping it could it could ping it could be hard starting it could misfire it could run very rough it could have a lack of power it's a very very simple test i know a lot of guys are running uh chevrolet motors with hei ignition on older irrigation pumps or on welding units or on or on something like that it takes you longer to be able to probably walk to your toolbox and get the dwell meter then to check the dwell so the whole idea is that you want the expansion of the dwell so you want those you want about five to ten degrees at idle on a v8 and about 30 to 35 degrees by 2000 2500 rpm and a linear movement of the needle so you want it to go up in linear fashion not go from five and then jump to 30 and that's basically it but if you ever have one of those engines and it's running poorly always check that dwell so listen, I want to thank you so much for uh, listening today. And next week's show is going to be about pump cavitation. So I th- hopefully you'll find that interesting. And I wish you a great week. And I want to just tell you, as I always close, that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved America. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.